0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and joining me today are two very special guests. The first is... Hines County Sheriff Victor Mason, and we'll speak with him about his experiences and perspectives as black law enforcement officer and his role in the community. And our second guest is Ahmad El-Turk, a founding member and chairman of the board of the International Museum of Muslim Cultures, who we will talk with about the Muslim community in Jackson and Mississippi and the importance of the museum involving the relationship between Muslim and non-Muslim communities. Our question of the day is this. What do you think is the key to effective communications? Is it listening or is it speaking? Call us at one MPB ring or email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back after the news. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
1: Live from WHYY in Philadelphia, this is NPR News. I'm Corva Coleman. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who says she'll step down as head of the Democratic National Committee in the wake of the leak of damaging emails, was booed this morning in Philadelphia. She spoke at a breakfast meeting of delegates from her home state of Florida. NPR's Don Gagne reports.
2: Those leaked emails showed DNC favoritism toward Hillary Clinton during the primaries. But Wasserman Schultz's resignation isn't effective until Friday, after the Democratic Convention is over. Today, when she visited the Florida delegation, the heckling from Bernie Sanders supporters started almost immediately.
1: We know that the voices in this room that are standing up and being disruptive, we know that that's not the Florida that we know.
2: Wasserman Schultz is still scheduled to officially open the convention later today. Don Gagne, NPR News, Philadelphia.
1: Some of the speakers at the Democratic National Convention here in Philadelphia tonight include Bernie Sanders. The keynote speech will be delivered by Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. There have been four violent attacks in Germany in the last week. Three of them were committed by people seeking asylum. Terry Schultz reports from Brussels critics of Germany's immigration policy are demanding changes.
3: In the last day alone, two Syrian asylum seekers killed people. In one case, the suicide bomber ended up killing only himself, but it could have been much worse. This adds to the criticism of the high number of refugees that were given the chance to claim asylum in Germany. In Brussels, an EU spokesman says today, Europe's doors remain open to those fleeing war and
1: oppression, but that this compassion will not come at the price of European security. Terry Schultz reporting. Singer Marnie Nixon has died. Nixon was the singing voice for many leading women in American movie musicals from the 1950s through the 1960s. Nixon was classically trained and usually not given credit for her singing. She was 86 and had had breast cancer. Jeff London has more from New York. What does this voice have in
3: common with this voice?
4: It
1: all began tonight.
3: And this I voice.
4: Saw, I
1: could have danced all night. I could have danced all night.
3: They're all the same voice. Singer Marnie Nixon dubbed the voices for Deborah Carr in The King and I, Natalie Wood in West Side Story, and Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady, three of Hollywood's biggest movie musicals. But Nixon also performed on Broadway and in opera houses, hosted an Emmy Award-winning children's television show, and was a voice teacher. For NPR News, I'm Jeff London in New York.
1: On Wall Street, the die was down 96 points at 18,474. This is NPR Communications corporation Verizon says it will buy Internet firm Yahoo for about $4.8 billion in cash. Yahoo has lost competitive ground against Google and Facebook, even though it has many users. Verizon will add Yahoo to its group of digital offerings, including Huffington Post and AOL. It hopes to increase viewership with the purchase of Yahoo and boost advertising revenue. A wildfire that began Friday just north of Los Angeles in Santa Clarita is still barely contained and has burned more than 51 square miles. More than 10,000 homes have been evacuated. Daniel Carson reports the fire has destroyed more than a dozen homes and is threatening to burn hundreds more. Even with helicopters dropping water on the flames, more than 1,600 firefighters are struggling to get a handle on this massive blaze. Hundreds of people have been evacuated. There have been no major fires in the area for decades. And given the little rain and hot weather, L.A. County's Deputy Fire Chief John Tripp says the area was primed for a fast-moving wildfire.
2: One thing we've been talking about day after day is the stress of the vegetation, the drought. And that fire came through like a freight train.
1: A man's body was found inside a car in the fire zone Saturday evening. Detectives in the sheriff's department are investigating the death. The victim's home was among those that burned down. For NPR News, I'm Danielle Carson in Los Angeles. The National Weather Service is warning of dangerous heat from the central U.S. to the east coast. Excessive heat warnings have been posted today from the plains to the mid-Atlantic. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News in Philadelphia. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the Estate of Joan Crock, whose bequest serves as an enduring investment in the future of public radio. And from the listeners who support this NPR station.
4: You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Send your comments and questions to Marshall at MPBOnline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
0: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a great day out there. Of course, it is steaming hot. Of course, then again, it is Mississippi, and it is July. I don't think any of us are surprised about that. If you got some rain yesterday, I am very jealous, I swear. Now, this has gone on for the last month and a half or so. The storms will come right to my house, and it will get about three blocks from my house, and then goes poof, or divides in half. I have not gotten three drops of rain in the last month, and all around me have. And I don't know about you, but I take that personally. Anyway, Jonas is driving the bus today. How are you, my friend?
3: <laughs> doing well, doing well. Yeah. And I've got probably all the rain that you should have gotten.
0: Yeah, because there's some parts <laughs> that people are just like, you know, they got frogs all over their house and everything right. else because it's Tons. like rained everything. Yeah, but not my house. It's very dry, but I, I'll get over that to say the least. Uh, by the way, if, if you might have noticed, that was not Sherita you were listening to, of course. She's off being famous somewhere.
3: Oh, yes. She's yeah. well on her way. By the next time we talk about Sharita, we'll be saying uh, how proud of of her we are. <laughs> she had a
0: very big performance over in Birmingham and um, yeah, she's she's on her way to becoming uber famous. Big time. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. You have a good weekend, I take it.
3: I did, I did. I had a very good weekend, played a lot with the boys, you know, got a lot of work in, DJed a um Jackson Idol contest, you know, the Jackson Rhythm and Blues yeah. festival is coming up so they had a contest to see who was going to perform at the Jackson Rhythm and Blues contest so they had a Jackson Idol contest at the Pearl Outlet Mall. And I played the music for that. Sweet. So, yeah, that was very interesting. It was a very nice contest. A lot of talented people were singing.
0: You stay very busy doing that, don't you?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I've got a, a good thing.
0: It is a good thing, exactly, because you've got to make the cash register ring. I, this weekend, I'm A, going to go to the Neshoba County Fair, going to go do some cartoons about that so I can get my fix of red dust and, and mud, depending if it rains or not there. And then also, uh, the next on Hattiesburg on Thursday, they have a really cool event to help cure cancer so i'm going to be one of the speakers for that frank uh, caliendo the comedian who you see a lot of times on fox sports Mm -hmm. and so forth he is going to be the headliner and i'm going to be speaking at lunch at dinner cartoons and comedy Exactly. Good stuff. Exactly. So that'll be fun, too. We got a couple of really great guests. We got Heinz County Sheriff Victor Mason, who will be joining us here in a half second. And then our second guest, which will be a little bit later in the show, is Ahmad El-Turk. He's a founding member and the chairman of the board of the International Museum of Muslim Cultures. And that's in the old art museum down in Jackson, if you're familiar with that. So that'll be great, too. So anyway, uh, good show. We got a lot to talk about. And our question of the day is this. What do you think is the key to effective communication, listening or speaking? You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING on that, or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. Got to tell a quick story before we get to the good sheriff. Right after I was married, now this was 23 years ago, my wife and I lived in an apartment complex in Houston, Texas in a little area called the Woodlands. So every night we would get done and we, we really believe that, you know, sitting down and talking to other is important. So we, every night we'd go walk out on a little track that's at the school next to us. So we would go out and walk. And I remember one night we did one lap and she's telling me all about her day. We did a second lap. She's telling me all about her day. Did the third lap. She was telling me all about her day. We got that fourth lap and I turned and looked at her and I said, so honey, how was your day? That was 23 years ago. And she still remembers that. So, uh, the question of the day, of course, is what is the key to effective communication? My answer is listening, because I'm not very good at that. So, there you go. But most of us aren't (laughs) exactly. But I do thank you for listening to the show today. And, of course, without further ado, we have the fairly newly minted Hines County Sheriff, Victor Mason, a guy who's been in law enforcement for 30 plus years. So, congratulations. By the way, I haven't even had a chance to draw a cartoon about you yet. I'm waiting. You're waiting? I see you with your pen in your hand now. I am. Mean, um, I'm going to make you handsome because you know what? Thank you My much. cartoons look really good on the radio. So. Oh really? Yeah. You said you. You said some people think you look like a preacher. Yeah. Preacher.
5: Yeah. Either a lawyer, you want to have a suit and tie. A or... lawyer.
0: Yeah. So which one would you rather be? That seems to be both ends of the dichotomy there. I'll let you know before the years. You like... know, devilish kind of heavenly. I yeah. don't know. Okay, yeah. we'll let you know. Definitely. Today,
5: today I'll be me though.
0: Okay, you'll be you. I think yeah. that's good because I think we have a lot of uh, really important things to talk about. This is kind of a stressful time for law enforcement. Yeah. Um, stressful time for the country all the way around. There's a lot of angst and a lot of pressure, and you guys, honestly, um, very dangerous
5: job, and it seems like
0: it is ratcheted up a notch.
5: It has. Uh, the past, first of all, let me tell you, thank you for having me on this morning. Oh, it's good to thank have you. you on. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Anytime, anytime. But I, I feel that within the past three weeks, it's been high intensity, yeah. if, if I may describe it that way. Um, the uh, deaths that have occurred uh have been questionable and uh it's just kind of a trying time right now it's it's and and what we're trying to stress to our people the on the sheriff's office at the sheriff's office is just calm down wait the situation out uh don't always let the gun be the first choice yeah let's just get some dialogue going uh recently we've started to send uh a backup car with our cars. Not just one car, but two cars. And then we're analyzing the phone calls that come in. Mm -hmm. So you have to do all of that to make sure everybody's safe on around, just around the clock period.
0: 1986, you're getting into law enforcement. How are things different if you were going out on patrol than they would be now?
5: Well, back then, when I first got into it as a rookie, it was it wasn't as bad as it was now, as it is now. Because back then, we were just still carrying six shooters. And bulletproof vests weren't options you know it was just if you wanted to wear it fine if you didn't because uh, people respected us back then yeah you know but we also had a good relationship with the community um, however now everybody has cell phones everybody feels that they can get away with the other side they feel that they can get away with everything and uh, it's just not like that right now and then there are laws that are kind of keeping us tied up too. Let me ask you a little bit about that because
0: obviously we have seen the cell phone footage of some really egregious acts yeah. of, and you know, yeah. and I, and I'll throw this out there. there are good cops. There's bad cops. Oh, yeah. There's good radio yeah. hosts. There's bad radio hosts. There's right. good teachers. There's bad teachers, but we have seen the videos. Like I said, everybody has a cell phone. Now you can take that video and it can get out and now it does not have to get on the news. It can get out on social media and it can spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. So you got that. So would you say that the situation with, the police have they gotten, is it, is it worse cops or is this something that has gone on for a long time? It's just that we're now seeing more of it. I
5: don't, I don't think it's gotten worse. I think it's lack of training yeah, and discipline. Um, as I revert back to my days of first getting on with, with the Jackson police, we were taught uh, tactical moves, hand to hand combat. Right. And uh, we didn't even have mace or pepper spray back then. Uh it was, take down holes. It was communication. We yeah. we would call it verbal judo. Um but the weapon was your last choice. Uh and if need be, just get in the car and drive oh, you know. Uh but it's different now. It's a different climate. People on drugs. Yeah. Uh and, and in some aspects I do applaud the cell phone. I do. Yeah. Because it will tell the truth. It serves as a body cam. Right. And and uh, uh you and I had talked earlier but your uh, average patrolman now. is looking like a robot. He's looking at something out of like out of Star Trek or something like that because he has so much equipment on now to protect himself legally, you know, as well as physically. Oh, exactly
0: on that. And you talk about that. I mean, you're now it's just sheriff. Uh, you talk about that pressure of making the difference in community. And what do you think's expected of you personally?
5: I think the community is is expecting me, and I'm going to do that because I I'm responsible for everybody. Right uh, on this at the sheriff's office. But it still goes back to training and discipline. You've mm-hmm. got to have both. You can't put on this badge and this gun and expect to write a million tickets because you and your wife had a fight last night. <laughs> it, you, you're going to burn out. Right. And it's not going to work anyway, because if you wrote a million, just about all a million, I'm going to get thrown out of court. But it's about discipline and it's about people making mistakes. We are going to make mistakes. And if you pull someone over, listen to them first. That's what I tell the guys. Listen to them. May have had a bad day, may have just gotten fired, anything, something wrong with the child, financial problems, anything like that. And just take into heart, that could be you, you know. So um, we we try to stay trained up if we can. You see a lot of the communities where
0: there is stress or there's angst in the community, but... Like in Dallas, after after the tragedy that happened there, their police chief stepped up and was very public. Do you feel like that you've got that role out there? That, I do. That, yeah, that's I do.
5: We I don't know him personally, but I applaud the way he took charge, because in speaking, he calmed the audience down. He yeah. calmed the community down. He also calmed his 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 force down. But he, if you remember his history. His brother was killed by uh, a law enforcement officer. Right. His father was killed by a law enforcement officer. So he has a lot to deal with, and never probably run me crazy. But at the same time, discipline—that's what I see a harp on. You know,
0: you, you talk about community policing. We hear that a lot, but yep. that is so important for to get out of the patrol car to know the people in the community. Doesn't that that makes a huge difference? Doesn't it? Well, it does
5: because you find out that that resident that knows that officer. Will tell him more than the average stranger. Um, I, I encourage my guys to go into these businesses, to go into these churches, to go into these neighborhoods and talk to these people. Let them know who you are. Even if it's on a first name basis, they'll feel more relaxed talking to you than they would somebody just getting there for the first time.
0: You talk, give some advice to somebody, because I mean, I've talked to to friends who've got 16 year olds that they're worried about them getting out in the car and driving and being pulled over and something bad may happen. What advice would you give that parent if they're worried about their kids traveling and maybe getting pulled over and something bad happening?
5: Talk to them, talk to them. First of all, let them know that law enforcement is not, I repeat, is not the enemy. We're servants, we're servants by God. Number two, teach them what to do and what not to do. Uh, you know, if, if they get stopped, what are some things that they should do? First of all, I tell people all the time, if and it, not only for teenagers, but uh, adults as well. If you are stopped, cut the car off right about now through this climate. Let's let's cut it off. Yeah. Um, that's a position that we call 10 and 2. Your left hand in the 10 position, just like a clock mm-hmm. and your right hand on the two o'clock position. Third, keep your mouth closed. Don't argue with him. Don't, please don't, because right then he's got the upper hand. Um, and I can just about guarantee you, you're going to get a ticket. Um, the officer will tell you, sir, ma'am, this is why I stopped you. Broken taillight, light, speeding, expired tag, weaving. Even if he or she says you were weaving, don't argue with him. No, I wasn't weaving. That's what he saw. You may not have been. But a lot of times people will drop their cell phones and they'll reach over with the right hand and try to get it, and the left hand's not as balanced as you know. Right. So let the officer tell his side if you get a ticket and you don't agree with the ticket or the officer, there's a court date at the bottom right corner. That's where you can go argue about it.
0: Yeah, that's a lot safer to argue in court. I would
5: think because if you so. start dialogue with, with with some officers, I guarantee you you will lose. Then you end up shelling more money out.
0: Definitely. We're talking right now with Hines County Sheriff Victor Mason, who's been in law enforcement for 30 years. And what made you enter law enforcement? What made you decide to go and serve like this? You know,
5: young, I I used to watch um, a show, 4 o'clock every evening, and it was a Long Ranger. And this guy, man, long sleeve shirt and tie every day. And a lot of people don't know, this guy owned a silver mine. He was a deputized uh, a law enforcement officer, and um, he upheld the law. He, and that's that's just how he – and I used to like to watch him. And then when I started seeing police cars, I thought these guys were larger than life. Uh, in fact, my neighbor was the first uh, black police officer ever hired for the city of Jackson, Joe Lewis Lane. Uh-huh. And he's still living. He's one of the original six uh, that's still around, plays golf as much as he can. But uh, just talking to him, I learned a lot.
0: And you decided to follow his I steps. wanted
5: to carry on that legacy. Talk about
0: some of the experiences you had in that first year when you were on patrol. Oh, man.
5: Look, look. It was the the first night, well, the night before I went on patrol. I didn't sleep because I knew that I was going to be in a patrol car with blue lights. And uh, I was young. I was in my early 20s. And any any rookie at that time would tell you, you think, just by one night of work, you can save the world. Well, I hadn't done it yet. So uh, it, it was just exciting. And then getting together, knowing all the guys, the camaraderie that we had. Because at that time, that was my extended family. And I'm with these guys eight hours. I'm at home 16-plus hours. But couldn't wait to get back to work. And what really boosted it was when we were assigned our own police cars. We took pride. We watched them at home you armor all them down you parked them on the front lawn you know it was just it was fun back then
0: we're talking with heinz county sheriff victor mason we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we have a question of the day what do you think is the key to effective communication listening or speaking you can give us a call at 877 mpb ring and we'll continue in just a moment this is now you're talking on mpb think radio You're talking comes from Patty Peck Honda, offering a full line of Honda vehicles to look at and drive. Information at 601 957
2: 3400 or pattypeckhonda.com.
1: Bernie Sanders built a movement of devoted followers.
2: Welcome to the political revolution.
1: But how do those followers feel about Hillary Clinton? It's not positive, it's not negative, it's just neutral. But it's not ever excited. No, not excited. Democrats try to unify at their convention in Philadelphia. Later on all things considered from NPR News.
4: Today at four on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Send your comments and questions to Marshall at MPBonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
0: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a great day, and thank you for listening to the show. We have a really great guest right now. We have Hines County Sheriff Victor Mason, been in law enforcement for 30-plus years and is the fairly new-minted sheriff for Hines County. And uh, Sheriff, I was just going to say thank you for coming in. I know you're a busy guy these days. What kind of challenges have you faced since you've been in office?
5: Marshall, to be honest with you, I think it's the jail. In Raymond, yeah, uh, we had a lot of problems down there, and not only down in Raymond downtown. Uh, currently, I'm under a consent decree out of Washington, and oh, you, no pressure there. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. I've not not lost one pound, <laughs> uh, but uh, there are numerous rules that I have to follow, yeah, and I have to get in line before they return. And uh, I think we're doing a good. I think we're doing a good job in staffing it. Um, of course, no system is foolproof. Right. Uh, but we're doing the best we can, but we can also do better. So I think the jail was probably my biggest challenge.
0: The jail's been a challenge since the day it opened.
5: Oh, well, yeah. They yeah. threw it up overnight. And, yeah. of course, the company that threw it up went bankrupt. So we have to kind of pull it in patch the best way we can. Um, but I have a fantastic staff that runs that jail, um, they are those that stay with us, that try to, try to challenge us. But they also find out they come back home to us. Uh, so uh, we we do probably the best we can with what we got.
0: I've talked to a lot of folks in law enforcement. Sometimes it gets very frustrating when you do your end of the work and do your job and make the arrest, and then the next day the person's out, and yeah. then you're
5: re-arresting them later on in the week. That That's a headache. Yeah. That's a headache because— I know that we have good charges on them, and and that's what I tell people. We do our job. Yeah, we do our job, and and uh, I I can assure them we're going to do it swiftly, you know. But once it once they're locked up, that's that's the end of our job. It picks up in the courts and all right. that. You know,
0: this is, there's a lot of tragedy, and we've we've touched on it quite a bit. I mean we've seen a lot of cries for justice and from both the black lives matter camp and the blue lives matter camp, mm-hmm. You're kind of a unique position. Cause you're kind of in the middle of that. I'm so right. The,
5: I'm, I'm the meat in a sandwich. You really if, are. If you you really it.
0: are. And I mean, you're, you're a law enforcement officer. You are a black man, obviously. Do you feel like you, I mean, how do you, how do you balance that question?
5: You, you deal with it when it's asked, yeah. you deal with it when it's, when it happens. Um, uh, because there's no easy answer. Right. You know, when, When I uh, get home and I take this off, I'm Victor Mason. Yeah. You know, when I put this on, I'm sheriff. But even when I leave to go to work, it's on my mind constantly. Right. You know, and and it's like I've said before, hopefully not, but there'll be another one. Yeah. A copycat. And and let's just, even with the the situation where the, the guy was shot on his back with his hands up. Right. And the officer said, I don't know why I shot you. That's the wrong answer. Yeah. You know. So when you look at that, it's frustrating. You know, because but it goes back to what was in this guy's mind. You know, what where was your training? When did it kick in? Or did it kick in? So you have to just kind of in my shoes and in my boots, you have to just hold tight and and in the back of your mind, you form your own conclusions, but then that might not be right.
0: Definitely, it's tough. Um, what I mean, you obviously believe that there are good cops, bad cops, and you, you've you've mentioned this before. It's very hard sometimes to to tell who's going to be a bad cop until something bad happens, isn't it?
5: I, I use the example: if I'm at a, a, a on scene, and knowing me, I'm I'm my adrenaline is going to kick in, yeah, as to take charge of the situation because that's just me, right? But if I'm in plain clothes, and most of us carry Off-duty weapons, most of us do. Yeah, Um, It'd be wise to. But if I take control of the situation, and let's just say there's an officer that doesn't know me, who do you think he might take action on first, me or the guy I have a gun on? Right. That's a scary thought. It could happen. So usually I try to carry an ID with me, Yeah. you know, my badge and my credentials that will say, hold on, I'm in law enforcement. Hold on, I'm the sheriff. Uh, or hold on, I'm the chief. And we encourage everybody on—I know on this department—to carry every ID you have if you carry a gun off duty, you know. But I just about made it required that we do. Are you feeling like in the last few weeks it's tough for
0: you to walk around in plain clothes to identify that you're a police officer? Do you feel like that makes you more of a target?
5: That has not crossed my mind, but I've taken the high road as to not being open. As, yeah. as an open target some of us uh wear caps yeah. that had police or something on it or a t-shirt that had some type of theme or sure. a bracelet mm-hmm. or any kind of necklace uh even some people uh, have the thin blue line on their on their vehicles right but we've taken all those off uh because i certainly don't want my kids being victims of oh i don't know why i shot you you know i, I don't want that so uh we just try to Walk it like we talk it. What can be done to make good cops feel more appreciated? I think communication. Yeah. I I think um, every now and then, everybody wants to be thought of. I was in a restaurant yesterday, and and, uh, a guy just came up. I didn't even know him, and I'm sure he knew me, but he said, he put his arm around me and said, I just want to thank you for the job you do. That goes a long way with us because we don't get it. Right. You know, we always criticize Uh, uh, for what we're doing wrong, but never a pat on the back for what we do right. And, Marshall, you know, you can do 20 things right, but it's that one thing that you mess up on, and that's what everybody capitalizes on.
0: Now, Sheriff, that sounds like marriage.
5: We're moving right along, Marshall.
0: Okay. I was going to say, I don't want to get you in trouble now. <laughs> well, you
5: just did. Well, but... I'm, in, I'm in a room full of uh, three people with guns, That's so I right. probably ought
0: to be, be You know, talk about that. Now, of course, the gun laws have changed a little bit Yes, yeah, now yeah, there's yeah. more open carry. And, you know, and, and I can see the pros and the cons on that. You yeah. you threw out kind of an interesting scenario, though. If you walk into a situation now, it actually can be more complex if everybody in the room is carrying a gun.
5: Well, it can. It can. Now, at my church, um, there are three of us right. that are in law enforcement. We have a plan. We know what to do. Uh, We still have placards up that announce no weapons allowed. Right. And most of the people in my church know me. I wear my uniform to church. Uh, We have cars out front. Uh, But all of us know that on Sundays, that's the rich hour. That's it. Yeah. You know, Uh, and everybody knows where the money is. The banks are closed, but the money is at the church. But the drill that we've done is we have eye contact and we constantly watch one another. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tight situation when you are, uh, in plain clothes mm-hmm. and, uh, even those who work narcotics, uh, I don't know all the NBN officers. I don't know all the NBI officers, but until they say otherwise, you know, it's it's hard to say they, they might be suspect until they announce themselves. And right. the same could go for me. Right. So that that kind of has everybody confused right now of uh, and I know we go through training, shoot, don't shoot. I I understand that. But who wants to even get into a tussle, you know, because even now it was announced that the guy said, I have a gun and he was still shot. Yeah, that could be me, Marshall. So we, we have to have communication. We
0: have to have that, and even the people that are carrying the guns now need to make sure they're really well trained and so forth. We almost had a situation over in Rankin County, for instance. Yes, a guy had yes. been dropped off by Uber at the wrong place, and right. and of course the Castle Doctrine is very clear. The guy could have uh, accidentally gotten shot. Thankful he didn't. So
5: well, that's the reason I tell people all all the time: before you take that next step, stand back and breathe. You know, let it let the pistol be your last yeah your last option.
0: It's amazing you pull that trigger. You trigger, you can change a
5: life. You have a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, definitely I can tell you that.
0: that. Well, any parting thoughts before I let you go back out and fight? You know, crime? Uh,
5: yes, Marshall, I, I, I appreciate you um, for inviting me on. Sure. And I would just ask the public to pray for me mm-hmm. and my staff, please. That's that's because prayer changes a lot, and uh, let's pray for one another during this climate. I mean, there's going to be a point where we need to start talking
0: to each other, not at each other. I agree.
5: And instead yeah. of being divided, we need to be united. Right. And and I just ask that. That's all I ask.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it's, you know, like you said, you've got a lot of good folks that work for you that put on their tie every day, they oh, put yeah. on their badge, and they go to work, and they want to come home from work. We all do. Yeah, we definitely. all do. So, Well, Sheriff, I appreciate you coming Thank in.
5: Thank you, Marshall. All right. And you, will you draw me before I leave?
0: uh i think you're safe today okay, unless thank I, you. I may draw you tomorrow I don't thank know. you we'll thank see you about you. that we'll thank keep you I'll, I'll make you pretty you know thank that. you, thank Always you. i appreciate it all right very good all right we're going to take a quick break coming up is ahmad el turk he's the founding member and chairman of the board of international museum of Mus- muslim cultures and we're going to talk about the museum the muslim i can't even read english today the muslim community in jackson and mississippi as well as important to the museum and involving the relationships between the muslim and non-muslim communities should be a great guess our question today is this what do you think the key is to effective communication well i think learning how to read might be a good start for me but we'll get to that later but anyway is it listening or speaking you can give us a call at 877 MPB ring. a lot of folks have already chimed in on facebook and on twitter it's pretty easy to find me there just type in marshall ramsey and i pop up this is now you're talking on mpb think radio
4: Twenty-seven years ago, the first U.S. president took office. Next year, the 45th will. Follow history in the making right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio.
1: Bernie Sanders built a movement of devoted followers.
2: Welcome to the
1: political revolution. But how do those followers feel about Hillary Clinton? It's not positive. It's not negative. It's just neutral. But it's not ever excited. No, not excited. Democrats try to unify at their convention in Philadelphia, later on All Things Considered from NPR News.
4: Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Send your comments and questions to Marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
0: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. I do appreciate the good sheriff being on. Of course, Hines County Sheriff Victor Mason was just on. Uh, Jonas, I tell you, uh, you know, you kind of feel for him because you kind of feel like he's kind of stuck in the middle of all the controversy that's been going on. But I think he made some very important points.
3: Yeah, I think he cleared up a lot of things that police officers go through. It's good to hear both sides yeah, because, you know, we have people all over the news every day. But until you actually sit down and talk to an actual sheriff, an actual police officer to see what they go through on a day to day basis, you're never going to understand.
0: Right. And, and I think anytime, and of course, our question of the day is this. What do you think is the key to effective communication? I think the number one way not to communicate well is to paint somebody with a big brush and paint everybody a certain way. And I think that, um, you know, you, you can say all cops are bad. Or all, all this and the other is not true. There's no such thing as 100% one way or the other. But, um, you know, you kind of got to have to – it's 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 called empathy. Yeah, you know, definitely. You, and, and at the same way, if I'm, you know, an African-American and I'm 18 years old and I'm driving in a car and I get pulled over, you know, I want to know what I need to do to make sure that I get out of that encounter in one piece. So yeah, that's you, important you too. You can't
3: have any type of preconceived notions on either side. Right. That's pretty much what it is. You have to throw that out the window and not assume – that somebody is one way or the other without having any type of interaction with them at all.
0: Right. And you heard the sheriff say that, that how important training is training, 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 training. And I think that is, uh, definitely, because I mean, whenever you can use deadly force, obviously that's very important too. So, I like I d-
3: they said that, had, that their pistol has to be the absolute last resort,
0: right? Because it is the final resort, actually, you know. So, definitely on that. So, anyway, I appreciate him coming in. I thought that was a really good conversation. And our second guest is Ahmad El Turk, he's the founding member and chairman of the board of the International Museum of Muslim Cultures. And I tell you, I've been over to the museum before, and it's really neat. It's really, I mean, um, and I think. It serves a very important purpose in this community, too, because you hear some people that say, well, they don't understand. We even had a, a, a fairly prominent pro- politician say that, you know, there was nothing that came from any other culture than than the European culture. And it was kind of like, what? Wait a minute. And I think there's a lot that the Muslim culture has offered to, you know, the life that we live. And I think you'll tell a good story over there. So thank you for coming in.
6: Well, thank you for inviting us.
0: Yeah, where are you from? Well, what, where, you,
6: where? I'm originally from Palestine, so okay. my, uh, both my parents uh, lived there, and after the uh, 1948 yeah. uh, war with Israel, they moved to different uh, Arab countries. So I, I was actually born in Kuwait. Wow. Yeah, but I've uh, been in uh, the United States uh, since 1977. So okay. I, this is home. Uh,
0: yeah, so you've uh, been here been here for a while. And on that, on the Palestinian question, of course, that's that's a very tough thing for you to watch, even from afar, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's very tough. Um, have they, how long have you been in Mississippi? Since
6: 1977. Oh, you moved straight to here. Yeah, and I, uh, wow, okay. I, I went back to Kuwait for three years, and but I've been living here almost continuously since 1983.
0: I would imagine Kuwait to Mississippi was a little bit of a culture shock it is a lot of sand versus a lot of green right yeah absolutely yeah have you enjoyed your time in mississippi oh i love it i mean
6: this is home, I mean, home. My, Yeah. yeah. My, my family and my kids and uh, yeah, so we uh, i mean i wouldn't know what to do if i go back to kuwait i don't have any friends anymore exactly right. they're all here that's <laughs> exactly. this is home
0: that's good so when did you realize that there was a need to educate the public about islamic history
6: You know, there's always been a need because uh, I think there's a lot of misconception and misunderstanding about Islam and Muslims. Uh, But obviously it became a lot more profound uh, since uh, 2001. Yeah. Uh, And and of course, it's actually significantly more profound now uh, with all the political uh, nonsense that we're hearing uh, about Islam and Muslims uh, So it's definitely been ongoing for the last 15 plus years.
0: Yeah, it's tough. when I mean, I'm sure you're sitting there watching it. And on top of that, you see both sides. You know, A, you've got the people that are very against Islam, but then you also have ISIS, which has completely taken your religion and twisted it to where it's not. And that's tough to watch too, isn't it?
6: It it is. But again, this is really where education and dialogue and communication is important. That's the topic of communication. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, it's listening and and learning and definitely on that. What was your vision for the museum we you know when when we started uh, back in 2000. Actually, uh, I don't know if you remember. Back uh, at that time, there was uh, every two years was uh, international exhibitions that came. Yeah, and I think the Majesty of Spain was scheduled to come in uh, April of 2001. Of course, uh, from you knowing maybe your history, mm-hmm. uh, Muslims were in Spain and Portugal for over 700 years, uh, mm-hmm. from 711 through 1492. So we felt it's really important to tell the story as a companion to that exhibit. Uh, so that's really what started it. Uh, we, we really never envisioned, because we are a relatively small Muslim community here, we, we never envisioned that this would be a full-time museum. Uh, so when, when we started, we were just going to build an exhibit about Islamic Moorish Spain and its contribution primarily to, to Europe and the West. Right. Uh, and then uh, close it in October of 2001, whenever the majesty of Spain uh, left. And of course, uh, the event of 2001 happened, and uh, you know we discovered uh, during the process uh, that there is not a single institution in the country that focuses uh, as its primary mission mm-hmm. educating the American public about Islamic history and culture. So a lot of people encouraged us basically to uh, take what we modest started we had and uh, transform it into a full time museum.
0: What type of exhibits did you have initially, and what kind of exhibits do you have today?
6: So we we still have uh, the Islam part of the Islamic Moorish Spain exhibit uh, we have an exhibit now about the legacy of Timbuktu uh, wonders of the written world which really is uh, is very phenomenal because it actually connects Islam Africa Mississippi and the United States it mm-hmm. tells it connect the enslavement uh, uh, story uh, and it connects uh, something that uh, really kind of empowers African Americans in the United States Uh, So uh, many of of us, uh, when we grew up in school, uh, my kids actually went to school here, uh, didn't learn much about uh, actually the written culture of Africa, the perception, Mm -hmm. particularly in West Africa, that uh, primarily West Africa was an oral tradition. So uh, we discovered that there's over a million written manuscripts in Mali and over 20 million manuscripts in West Africa, which actually refutes all of the stereotypical depiction of Africa as an oral tradition. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to learn more about this, and we did a lot of research. We approached scholars, and, of course, that region of West Africa is where a lot of the enslaved uh, Africans uh, brought, were brought here. Uh, you know, 20-plus million came to North uh, America. Uh, so we wanted to make those connections. Uh, what is really the contributions of those Africans, enslaved Africans? Uh, you know, we discovered as part of this uh, not only that they were uh, you know, uh, literate and uh, you know, have uh, you know significant wealth? Uh, you know that, that region of the world controlled a significant part of the gold trade in the entire world. Uh, they had uh, sold, they had commodities. Uh, they, they were rich empires. Uh. So we we want to tell a story that really has not been told in the, in the books here. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the enslaved Africans who came here uh, also were Muslims, uh, which mm-hmm. many people don't. Uh, recognize particularly a lot of our uh, political uh, friends that say basically Islam is not part of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Islam actually started with the founding of America. Uh, you know, and I will talk about the next exhibit that going to be coming up, uh, the connection between, between this. But, but also the, all the enslaved Africans, about almost 30% of them uh, were, were Muslims. Really? Uh, so they had significant contributions. So Islam was part of uh, our fabric of our society for, for a long, long time.
0: Talk about some of the other contributions Muslims have made to world civilization that go unrecognized. What are some things that that we just take for granted in day-to-day life that maybe we don't know about?
6: Yeah, see, I think uh, starting with the languages, Mm -hmm. you know, back uh, in the, uh, I say from 700 until about 14, maybe 1500 uh, timeframe, the Islamic civilization was probably the prominent civilization in the world. Mm so so before Europe actually emerged, uh, you know, em- Europe was in the Dark Ages during right. that time. The Islamic civilization was actually prospering. So within the languages component, for instance, you will find a lot of things that are familiar with uh, to us that actually came from the Arabic language. For for example, uh, chemia or ke- chemistry, actually mm-hmm. the whole science was developed by Muslims. And the the word actually comes from the Arabic root word of, of uh, chemia, the science of uh, the algebra. Uh, mm-hmm. Algebra is algebra in Arabic. Uh, so the discovery of zero was made by the Arabs. See, uh, I'm not
0: going to hold that algebra thing against you here, okay? Because I'm still a
6: little bit mad about
0: having to take <laughs> algebra. So.
6: Of course, we wouldn't have computers if we didn't have zeros. Oh, good uh, they, point. Yeah, uh, all of the uh, you know the uh, divisions and the fractions were discovered by, by Muslim uh, scientists. Yep. Uh, so, the, so, so the actual word algebra comes uh, from, from Jebber. Uh, chemia, the whole chemistry, uh, the issue of alcohol, for instance, alcohol actually is kahul, uh, which is in, in Arabic. So there is a list of uh, a number of, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to scientific development, mm-hmm. uh, that that, uh, that Muslims contributed significantly. So in addition to languages, uh, you know, they were uh, great astronomers. Many of the uh, you know planets and uh, you know actually were named by after Muslims and Arab names, which mm-hmm. many people don't realize this. Map making, uh, you know, for navigation, other things were developed by by, by Muslims. Mm-hmm. So the contributions are really in every field, uh, from music to art to to uh, architecture uh, to uh, science and technology. Uh, Where we, many of it actually had roots in in the, in the Muslim civilizations.
0: That's very interesting. What are some misconceptions of, of Muslims in America that you find yourself wanting to clear up all the time? Because I know you probably watch the news and you're like pulling your hair out.
6: Well, there, there is significant misconception. I'm going to maybe spend a few minutes on this because this is really a very important topic to our, our visitors. Uh, you know, the first uh, three or four that I'm going to talk about is really are related to uh, the connection between Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Mm-hmm. So m- m- many of our friends in the Christian and Jewish community think that Islam is an alien religion. It's, it's actually not connected to the previous revelations. So the first thing they say, well, you know, have your, you have your own God called Allah, uh, you know, that you're worshiping. You're not worshiping the same God. Mm-hmm. Of course, our response to this is Allah is the Arabic word for God. Right. <laughs> it's just primarily the translation of it. Uh, so even Christians who are Arabs, if you look at their uh, Bibles in Arabic, uh, they refer to their God as, as Allah. Allah. Mm-hmm. So again, this is a huge misconception because we, they, they feel that we worship a different uh, God. Uh, also, you know, Islam, is a, a, lot, a lot of people don't realize this. It's really a continuation of the previous Abrahamic traditions, the Judaism and Christianity. Uh, so we, in, in the Quran and our tradition, I mean, it's full of stories of uh, Moses and Jesus. And we have a chapter about uh, Mary. Uh, we have uh, you know, extensive uh, stories about really from Adam to uh, Noah and all of the stories that you're familiar with, the biblical uh, uh, texts. Uh, so, so, again, there's a connection here that many of, of our friends really don't uh, know or, 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 or understand. Uh, the other thing you know, is the issue of oppression of women. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the the perception is that uh, you know Muslims are all homogeneous, and they see maybe what uh, in some parts of the Muslim world, like Saudi Arabia or uh, Afghanistan, where w- women are actually actually oppressed. Uh, in, in my view, uh, although some of the Saudis might disagree with it, uh, but but this is not really the common uh, platform, and, and this is not really what actually Islam advocates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually Islam, when it came 1,400 years ago, uh, gave significant freedoms uh, to, to, to women uh, you know, that we are you know, addressing now in the United States and across Europe. Uh, you know, from uh, every aspect of involvement, they're equal to men, but they play different roles. So that, that's, what, that's what we believe. So, the, so the, when, when, they, when someone sees a woman that is dressed modest or has a hijab on, they assume immediately that this is, she's forced to do this, mm-hmm. uh, although this is really part of her faith. You know, we see nuns that are dressed like this. Uh, we don't say that they're oppressed. Right. Uh, so, so this is, again, is, is another area, that, uh, the area. And then a uh, fourth thing, because uh, before I hit the big one, uh, actually, uh, to, uh, related to, to what's happening in the event uh, worldwide, is the issue of the diversity of the Muslim world. Mm-hmm. So uh, many of people think that many majority of Muslims, because Islam started in Arabia, that many of the Muslims are Arabs. Today, only 18% of the Muslim populations are Arabs. So uh, the bulk of the Muslims are non-Arabs. I mean, you'll find the largest Muslim countries in Indonesia, for, Indonesia, for example. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's significant populations in uh, Turkey, in Europe, in uh, Africa. Uh, so, again, this misconception is is, is most of them uh, are Arabs. And, again, so we, we try to clear that this is really a non-homogeneous group. Uh, this is almost have significant culture and influence in every part of the, of, the, of the world. So there is 59 countries today that have majority Muslim population. But the remainder of the hundred and thirty countries in the world uh, have minority Muslim populations, mm-hmm. so again, this is an important area. And and uh, and, and the final thing is really mm-hmm. actually to the, uh, what what we are dealing with today is the issues of violence. And uh, so so there's a lot of discussions about uh, is actually Islam inherently violent religion, right? Uh, or, or, or this is some adherent of, of, uh, of that believe in, in Islam that are misinterpreted the text. So that's one uh, one area which is actually connected to uh, the ones that advocate that Islam is an evil religion. Mm-hmm. They are also saying that we should ban Muslims from coming to the United States. That uh, they're really against uh, our constitution. Uh, you know, they, 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 that it's not Islam and, and uh, democracy are not compatible. All of these actually are uh, stereotypical depictions of Muslims uh, because really they don't, they don't fully understand. Uh, what Islam teaches and what the tenets of Islam uh, from from those issues. So so we spend a lot of time trying to uh, educate the American public about this issue as well.
0: Museum, it gets a thousands of visitors. Congratulations. You have good good quality of number of folks coming through there. What kind of feedback are you getting when folks come through the museum?
6: Yeah, It's really overwhelming. Uh, I mean, the first thing is, uh, people say, wow, we didn't know this. Yeah. Uh, So so there's a lot of learning that's actually going on, and and we engage with our guests uh, to try to really better understand uh, as much as we can, try to educate them about uh, what the contributions of Muslims, uh, why this relationship between Muslims, Christians, and Jews are critical, uh, really not only to uh, living here in the United States, but really even uh, critical to the stability of the world order, uh, what's happening when when you have... uh, a population that has 1.5 to 1.8 billion Muslims around the world—we uh, we can't have all of these people are to be our enemies. Right. So so we have to really live together in harmony and peace and uh, and, and understand each other. Uh, and obviously we bring different cultural values and, and perspectives, mm-hmm. but the diversity actually brings strength, not uh, not weaknesses uh, there.
0: Definitely on that. Well, what's coming up? Anything new? You said you mentioned some new exhibits coming in.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, three things that uh, you know are, are coming up. Uh, you know, one we, we just actually signed a memorandum of understanding with Tugulu College and Millsaps College. So we will begin probably over the next few months actually de- developing joint educational programs. Some of them will be at the museum, some will be at Millsaps and Tugulu, and some will be uh, more, all of them will be actually open to the larger community as well. So we're, we're very excited about this, this relationship, and this is done through an institute that we developed called the Islamic Thought Institute, uh, where, where we actually look at uh, educations and, and how uh, Islamic culture can uh, influences uh, contemporary problems we're facing today, from human rights, women rights, issues of dignity, issues of uh, diversity, inclusion, and, uh, and justice, and so on. So that, that's a very exciting uh, program that we're beginning the, the the second thing, uh, you know, we, we uh, just this year actually, uh, the mayor and the city of Jackson proclaimed uh, April as Islamic Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a very successful uh, program during April of 2016, and we're now beginning the planning for April 2017. Uh, so we, we we had roughly about 3,000 visitors that came, and we wanted to actually expand this significantly to to grow it over time, where it become a major festival uh, during that, that, that month. Uh, and then we have a lot of cultural activities there. So we're we in the planning for April 2017. And, and, and finally, we have an exhibit uh, that actually talks about the covenants and treaties of Prophet Muhammad mm-hmm. that were signed 1,400 years ago with the Christians and Jews of the world. Excellent. So this talks about the diversity and actually inclusion, uh, pluralism, tolerance, and and so on.
0: Very good. Website so the folks can find you?
6: Uh, www.muslimmuseum.org.
0: That works. Very good. I appreciate you coming in today.
6: You're welcome. It's a pleasure inviting us. Good to talk to you.
0: All right. Well, we're going to come back. We have a caller. Our question of the day is this. What's the key to effective communication, listening or speaking? I think a little bit of both, but listening is very important. And I hope you've enjoyed listening today. It's been a great show. You can give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. This is Now You're Talking.
1: Your print impaired. MPB's Radio Reading Service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301.
4: You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Send your comments and questions to Marshall at MPBonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
0: Welcome back to this Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. The question of the day is this. What do you think is the key to effective communication, listening, or speaking? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Frank gave us a call from Jackson. Hello, Frank. Welcome to the show. Oh, Frank. Oh, he'll be there in just half a second. Hello. Hey, Frank. Glad you can make it. How are you today?
2: Just great. Uh, three things i would be real quick. Sure. Number one. Listening to Mr. Alter, you would think he was a spiritual advisor. You would think that he uh, was an archaeologist or a historian. He is actually a very talented engineer. Really? Very great person. And
0: a very nice guy, I might add. He was a
2: nice guy. Yeah. He's great. Um, Number two on communication, I got two points on that. You have to go into communication knowing what you want to get out of it. Now, The issue we're talking about now in terms of uh, the police, we all know what the problems are. The Commission did an excellent job back in the 60s documenting what the problems were. Uh, Poverty, lack of opportunity, redlining, et cetera, et cetera, lack of jobs. And we've been kicking this around for years. President Kennedy said, let's go to the moon, spent the money, went to the moon. Last but not least, in my opinion, The most important part of communications and understanding the truth is to listen to what you are saying yourself. For instance, Marshall, you said that it's important that uh, young African Americans understand what they have to do so they can go home safely after an incident with the police. Mm,
0: kind of what i said but yeah yeah
2: so, yeah well yeah a kinda, lot of people say that. i right? think
0: it's important for my kids to also know what to say to the police so they can get home safely also
2: well yeah. not so much <laughs> well
0: you know i've been slammed down on the front of a patrol car before so i have a little bit of empathy although i'm not going to say that i know exactly what you're going through but i you know it's called empathy it's trying to understand it's trying to get to it
2: exactly mm-hmm. but more people need to be like you you know get, get, better, get the police car i guess i don't know But uh, it's important to listen to what you are saying yourself.
0: That's great, Frank. I appreciate it. I got to go to another call. I got like a minute left. Thanks. You can call next week. I appreciate it. Good call. All right, Linda and poor Gibson. Hello, Linda. How are you?
2: Um, I think the key to effective communication is listening. Even when you disagree, sometimes you can get a little out of what somebody is saying. And sometimes you can agree to disagree, you know. So that's my point.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. No, no trust me. People disagree with me every single day. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm very good at that. Uh, in fact, I uh, thanks to doing cartoons for thirty years, I get people pretty much disagree with me on a daily basis. So appreciate that. Thanks for the call. All right. Appreciate it. So there you go, Jonas. What do you think is the most important thing? Um, it's
3: definitely a little bit of both, but yeah. I think if you can. Not get into the conversation just to listen to reply, yeah. but also listen to understand. Right. I think that's a big part of it because most will just listen just so they can get their last word in instead of actually trying to understand the person they're listening to.
0: You know what drives me nuts when people hear what you say and then they try to twist it around to exactly. mean what they're trying to say. Exactly, and you're just kind of going, "No, I didn't really say that." but right. That's okay. That happens sometimes too. But Definitely. yeah, I you know when I do this show, when I generally I generally don't have like a list of questions. I have one, but I don't really follow them because I'm listening to what they're saying in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it generally makes for a more interesting conversation when you're listening to what somebody else has to say instead of thinking about what you're going to say next. Agreed. Yeah. And that's a Absolutely. big part of it. I think, you know, just I know we're running out of time here, but I tell you what, folks, um, I see it every day on Facebook. They're just talking at each other. Nobody's listening. Definitely. Nobody's listening. So anyway, great show today. Appreciate Victor Hines County Sheriff Victor Mason coming in. Ahmad El Turk as well. Jonas, thank you for producing it. Coming up next, Southern Remedy.
4: This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com.
2: We do have some shower and thunderstorm activity in the southern part of the state, but not the case for our neighbors around the Horn Lake and South Haven area. We could approach 100 degrees on the thermometer and the heat